Welcome to Mindset Reset Radio. I'm your host, Jess, and I'm on a mission to help female entrepreneurs like you get intentional in life and business. So if you're feeling stuck, you're looking for inspiration, or you just want to be reminded that you're not alone on this crazy entrepreneurial journey, you've landed in the right place. You can join our community of intention getters on Instagram at Jessica Thiefels, that's me, and you can learn more about how I can support you in business and mindset at jessicathiefels.com. Finally, if you love what you hear, please don't forget to rate and review the podcast. I'll be forever grateful. Now, sit back, grab a journal, and get ready to start living with intention. Welcome, everybody, again to another episode of Mindset Reset Radio. I'm here today with the lovely Iona Holloway. She is the number one bestselling author of Ghost, Why Perfect Women Shrink, a speaker and a coach, and she helps women reclaim their body's worth and power through vulnerability, creativity, breathwork, and her signature framework, the Blacklight Method. Welcome, Iona. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So before we jump into this incredibly powerful topic that I'm so excited to talk with you about, um, tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what magic you bring to this world. Sure. Um, So my name's Iona. I'm originally from Scotland. I moved to the U.S., in 2009, when I was recruited to play Division One field hockey at Syracuse, um, very much true to the child I was growing up and the woman that I've become, very into sports, very creative, and generally just high achieving in general. Uh, one of those kind of straight A students, uh, for lack of a better descriptor. Um, and a lot of that actually is what I've channeled into my work coming out of the back of like a really challenging life experience of battling with perfectionism, battling with a lot of high expectations and identity that was wrapped up in all the things that I did um, to a point where really lost myself along the way and actually lost a lot of my gifts along the way too, because they just kind of disappeared into the black hole of, of perfectionism. Um, so the magic I bring to this world is I found a way through it. Um, I wrote about it in depth. And I think, well, I know from what women have said to me in a really vulnerable and honest way, just what how perfectionism can not only push you to the brink, but really cause you to shrink in your life, both your body, which was very much a part of my journey, and worth and power, creativity, gifts, whatever you want to call them. Um, And the magic I'm bringing is that I'm shining light on it and really excited by the ways that I have been connecting with a lot of women and men too, but in sharing this work with them and sharing ways to break free from the curse of confidence being gaslighted by your gifts, which we'll get into. Um, And then also bringing this into a broader topic of why high functioning, struggling women are often gaslighted within a society that reinforces the things that are kind of destroying them in many ways. Um, So I like to think the magic is in 
just how honest I am about it. <laughs> having, having survived it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And and I find too the way that I share in my community is always very honest and vulnerable. And that's what people connect with. You know, there's so much you writing this book and shining a light on this topic is is bringing a vulnerability to something that we all struggle with in some way, even if it's only in one element of our life or maybe at one time in our life. I can almost guarantee every woman listening to this podcast has felt the need to shrink themselves in some way. Um, and so it's just so powerful that you're, you're using your voice and your gifts to bring that to the world. And I'm so excited to talk about it here today. Um, so first I want to start by you defining this shrinking and I know it can happen in a number of ways, but sort of talk to us a little bit more about what that means and how we might be seeing it in our life. Um, and then if you wanted to share a little bit more openly for anyone who hasn't read the book yet. Um, about your experience with the shrinking? Sure. Um, So my definition of shrinking is very much related to the experience of trying to be perfect and when our identity is connected in a very strong way to the presentation of being perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that perhaps for a lot of women, they might not even think of themselves as perfectionists until they actually get underneath a lot of their behavior and see where all the ways in their lives they are hell-bent on being strong, impenetrable, buttoned up, Mm -hmm. self-sufficient, entirely dependent on their own backbone and nobody else's. These are all very subtle ways that actually perfectionism gets into every single element and aspect of our lives and not just our lives, our core identity. Um, And if I've learned anything from this life, it is that the pursuit of perfection is in no way human. It's a death wish. It's a death wish on our worth, on our dreams, because it almost always forces us to not do anything, Mm. to not share anything because we're never ready to not rely or connect deeply with other people because we don't want it to make it feel like we're being vulnerable Mm -hmm. or not self-sufficient. And so often perfection causes us to shrink in all elements of our life because we don't want to show any weakness. So whether that is in our professional lives and in our business and never shipping things, whether that is in shrinking the volume or even use of our voice in friendships or relationships because we want to be perceived as perfect in them. That can even translate as being like really chill and low maintenance. Mm-hmm. Like I, I always loved being the chill and low maintenance girlfriend because I thought that that was, that showed my adaptability and strength in a weird way when really it was just a complete discomfort with being able to voice right. anything that could be perceived as weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it also can, in my personal experience, physically manifested in a war with food in my body, which very much aligns with like the physical presentation of perfection in our society that rewards the small body. Um, So I love the word shrink for that reason, because I think it can manifest in so many different ways um, in our lives, whether we're connecting the dots or not. Yeah, it really encompasses 
I even think also the feeling of, of sort of hiding back. It's like, um, what is it? Brene Brown has this great quote about how perfection and perfectionism is really just a shield to protect us from shame Mm -hmm. and worrying that like, like, for example, this shrinking, like perfectionism showed up for me in, I became very mumbly. I had been told a lot in my life, um, really, well, I'd been told for a lot of my life that I was loud and bossy, um, as I think many women are told, um, especially bossy. Um, and it got to a point where, um, I don't know, maybe five years ago, my husband, like he would never hear what I'm saying. And I'm like, how do you not, I'm sick of repeating myself. He's like, cause you're mumbling all the time. I'm like, what do you mean Mm -hmm. I'm mumbling? And he's like, you're not talking loud. And I'm like, it occurred to me that I was literally quieting my voice because people told me that I was too loud or that I said the wrong things or that I was a bitch or that I was rude or that I was too honest. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, I physically shrank my voice. So I think I I love that word because it really truly does encompass every facet of how perfectionism leads us to becoming a lesser version of ourselves. Or as I say in one of my books, one that's not published yet, um, you become the best version of what everyone else wants you to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that that can be almost at odds with, I think, what a lot of people who identify as like a high achieving woman or a strong mm-hmm. woman, or we don't see it that way. We don't actually realize that the tendencies towards perfectionism and even like just true individualism and floating around as an island and not letting anyone get close enough to really see us um we see this as strength and Mm self-sufficiency what it really is like it's a deep sense of lack of worth Mm -hmm. because if if we're scared of showing in any way that we're incomplete it's a referendum on our worth like that's that's the story of the identity of perfection. It's like if we show any kind of weakness whatsoever, it feels like we're cutting ourselves off at the knees, stabbing ourselves in the back, revealing ourselves to people in a way that can feel very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my experience, and I think this is true for a lot of girls who grow up as like the straight A student or the one that's pointed out and they're like, oh, they're talented or, oh, they take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're very independent. And um, these stories become our identity. And it's not necessarily that teachers, parents, siblings, and friends tell us these stories to harm us, but we embody these stories and we become the collector of evidence of these stories. Mm-hmm. And that's why it can be so hard for us as grown women to reveal any kind of vulnerability because at our core, we believe we're supposed to be perfect. And those were all the things that got us attention growing up. Those were all the things that people looked at and said, Ooh, and ah, and this is great. And so you hold so tight onto those things and you don't want to stray too far away from that uh, because you might lose, people might not ooh and ah anymore. And that's what you came to know. And like, yeah, absolutely. As the straight A student, as the one who did well, I was that I was literally that exact person. Everything that you just described was me. And then everything as a result of that is also a lot of what I've experienced. Um, yeah, totally. I always used, I always used to say, 
Like I peaked when I was 11. <laughs> I felt like my life peaked when I was 11. And every single year after that was kind of met with more pain, more disappointment and more fear. Mm. So I felt like at every single point I was about to be discovered as a fraud that I wasn't actually as good as everyone thought I was. Mm. Um, and I'm really happy that I'm on, not only say the other side, but I mean, I love, I, yeah, like I, I really like myself now. I really love my life. I'm so grateful for the work that I did on myself to get there. Um, but for so much, like nearly two decades of my life, I saw it as downhill from age 11. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, let's, let's dig deeper into this. So you say that you like to sort of explore this idea of shrinking and, and sort of all the things that come from, from what we just talked about um, as an adult in these three areas. So the three areas are um, these women are gaslighted by their gifts cursed by their own competence and struggle invisibly and alone. And those like little statements in and of themselves are so powerful. Um, And so I want to break them down because I think this will give listeners an idea of like, oh, wow, I didn't realize I'm shrinking in this area. I didn't realize I'm sort of hiding back um, in this area when I could really be stepping into my power. So um, let's start with gaslighted by their gifts. What, What does this mean? What are you talking about here? Yeah, sure. It's one of my favorites. Mm. Um, I think a lot of women who grow up into being, quote, successful Mm -hmm. in their careers can see where they're gifted. It's not like we don't know. Like we're we're aware of it. And that in and of itself, the standard that we hold our own gifts to often causes us to not use them at all. Because the standard to which we want them to be expressed in the world, because their identity is connected to it and our sense of self-worth is is connected to it, we often hold back from doing anything. So we'll wait on the release of the book or we'll wait on the release of the course or we'll wait on the sharing of something that we've written because we're actually at war (laughs) with the standard of the gifts that we're holding ourselves to. And something that I think is so challenging about that is our identity is connected to it, but in doing, but in connecting our identity so closely to our gift, we're denying sharing it with the world. Like we're denying the generosity of actually allowing ourselves to be seen in the world. We're shrinking. We're we're denying ourselves the ability to actually impact lives in a generous way because we're actually being gaslighted by the standards to which we view our own gifts through. Because because it's not good enough, because it's not perfect enough, because everyone Mm -hmm. says it's always this good, but this this must not be this good. So I can't put it out yet. I have to wait on it. I have to not start this business. I need to not ask for that promotion. Um, you know, I have to be perfect. I have to be perfect. perfect. I need more. (laughs) And so you hold back. So you don't share those gifts with the world. Yeah. Amazing. I love that. And I've, I see so many entrepreneurs even running a business, but it's like, they're running it at like the lowest level. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm doing it, but I'm not bringing, I mean, even, I feel like I even did this where I, 
I feel like I was relatively, my business, my consulting business was successful, but I really wanted to shift into mindset stuff. That's what was really powerful to me. And I really struggled to do it because I didn't think I would have the perfect pictures or the best stories to tell, or, you know what, I'm, it's probably not unique enough what I have to say. Um, Mm -hmm. But as soon as I started stepping into the fact that I am different and that is, that is what makes me unique is that I bring a different view to this world and to all these topics that's when I started building a really incredible community. Um, And so I even see how I was shrinking and holding myself back because my whole life, same as you, you know, I was a straight A student. I was a great dancer. I was into sports. Um, I moved across the country at 23 with all only what I could fit in my car and my now husband and no jobs and an apartment. (laughs) We'd only seen in pictures like, and, and in my family, I'm often, I'm the older sister, you know? So I'm the one who was achieving. And it's, yeah, it's just fascinating to look at that connection. Yeah. I love what you described there. It ties very much into one of my favorite shifts that I've experienced in my own life that I really encourage any woman who feels in any way that they might be shrinking or identifies in any way with being a perfectionist or having on inhumanely high standards for yourself mm. is shifting from being perfect or good enough to being brave mm. just like what you described there it's like once I actually just allowed myself to be a little bit uncomfortable often enough yep. I gave myself permission to take up for lack of better phrase a little bit more space mm. I allow myself to take up a little bit more space and Bravery is something that you can run all day on that if you're just pushing out the edges of your comfort zone, just even a millimeter every day, you're pushing out the edges of your experiences and how you're appearing or presenting in your world, whether that's in your relationship or whether that's in your business. Um, It's a very different energy than perfection. Mm. which it's almost like it's almost like an extraction or a shrinking in right Um, bravery has been a really helpful reframe for me I love that and I love that it can feel so simple too like it's not like I have to take all these big scary risks and I have to put myself out there it's like I'm just going to be a little brave today and maybe share a little more of my um you know I talked with a lot of the members um in my membership that's now actually a course um about sharing really vulnerably. And for a lot of them, it's really hard. And it's like, okay, we'll just start with one small story, you know, just start mm-hmm. with this one little, and a lot of them would share something on their Instagram stories or in their Instagram posts. And they would report back and be like, oh my God, I got the most comments. Or I got so many people reaching out saying that they really resonated with this. And it was like, when you push that bravery just a little bit and you get a little bit more vulnerable, you find that you don't need, it doesn't need to be this perfect thing that you thought. In fact, when it's not perfect, it's actually better because we are all messy and we are all real and the messier and more real you are, the more you're going to connect. Um, Yeah, um, absolutely. I think that it's a, it's a practice in being seen. Like I've had so many mm. notes from people saying, how are you able to put some of the stories that you put in ghosts in this book? Because you talk about like losing your teeth because you didn't brush them because you didn't care enough about yourself because you were falling asleep, like binging on 
like 10,000 calories. Like how do you get to a point where you feel comfortable sharing stories like that? And I think it's really important to be in consent with your vulnerability. Mm. Like I didn't start off <laughs> when I was like learning how I talk about like learning how to be myself again. I didn't start start off learning how to be myself again or sharing myself in the world with that story. Right. I started off with being like, oh, I'm Iona and I actually think I might have a problem. <laughs> um and sharing that and people being like, oh, oh my goodness, but it was like the most human thing I'd ever shared about myself. I think we fall in love with this idea that people want the perfect presentation. We don't want to be in a relationship with robots. Right. Human connection. <laughs> That's actually what we're craving and desiring. Um and like I, I think it's important to know like what level of vulnerability you're in consent with and available for. Mm-hmm. But if you practice just a little bit and see how it feels and check in with yourself, did that feel like I was kind of selling stuff selling my soul a little bit? How did that feel? It's really that's really important as well. Because there are so many different ways to grow a business. It doesn't have to be like an endless vulnerability dump. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And the more you do it little by little, small, you know, tiny, brave step at a, one tiny, brave step at a time, the easier it becomes. And the more it just becomes your innate nature to be releasing that perfectionism and stepping more into just you, whatever yeah. that authentically is. And it will be different every freaking day. And that's okay. Perfect yeah. looks different every day. Perfect is never perfect. Let's be honest, but um totally. Well, okay, let's move on to the next one, uh, because I love this. Um, The second one is cursed by their own competence. What do you mean by that? How does that show up for us? So cursed by cursed by competence is definitely related to gaslighted by gifts. But I think the thing that separates it in the way that I view it is competence implies like an innate strength, Mm. a kind of solid and steady ability to do things but uh, and almost an armor in a way like I don't think that necessarily competence is built kindly I think it's often assumed so mm-hmm. I'll bring it back to childhood where I was cursed by all my own competence be- competence because before I was even really aware of it I was taking care of myself I was like looking around in my world and noticing how my sibling got a little bit more easily the love and care and attention of my parents because I was I was solid, I was competent, and I was strong. And that, over time, really iced up and armored me into this very high-functioning, very high-achieving, very, like, glittery. I was talking about the glitter. Like, I was collecting all the glitter. I had all of the awards. I had all the all the prizes at the end of the year, had the good career, all that kind of thing. Um, but I was alone in it and I was in fear in it. Mm. And I was just constantly feeling entirely isolated and cursed by that feeling of how like I can't, I can't break, but I feel like I'm breaking because it's like, it's only my backbone that I'm relying on here. And I think that, Again, going back to what we were talking earlier about identity, it's like if we are someone who is viewed as competent, we won't necessarily be the one that people are obviously reaching out to to ask if we need 
support. And we don't know how to ask for it either because it's always been assumed that we don't need it. And that's what I mean by it's, it can feel like a curse. It can feel very lonely. Yeah. Like they say, check on your strong friends, check on the ones that you think don't need it. I feel like that ties in with the third piece, which is that, you know, women that are shrinking struggle invisibly and alone. And, and, you know, that's why it's a big part of the reason why, because, oh, they're fine. Oh, she's strong. Oh, she can make it through. And really we're just desperate for someone to reach out to us and say like, do you need something? Are you okay? Because we're too scared to reach out to break that shield of perfectionism to tell someone that actually, no, I'm not okay. Um, and I think that's the most dangerous part of all of this is that invisible struggle, that, that feeling alone, like you can't reach out because that's what leads us to the more dangerous aspects of shrinking, like harming your body, harming yourself, letting your business fall through the cracks, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's in a nutshell, why the book's called Ghost, Why Perfect Women Shrink. It's like, it's the combination of all of these factors that make, I I often call the woman I work with high functioning, struggling woman, the woman who hide in plain sight, ghost woman. Mm. We're all passing. We're all passing in this world really, really well, because on the outside, we have everything that anyone else could ever want often. (laughs) Like we're not lacking in the glitter, but behind that facade is often like, a lot of fear, running on a lot of fear and shrinking because of that. Yeah. So, wow. Okay. So I want to shift from the shrinking to what I like to talk about, which is empowering yourself, stepping into your power, taking up space, literally the opposite Mm -hmm. of shrinking. Um, You gave us one really amazing shift, which is from perfection, shifting from perfection to bravery. Um, can you give us some more strategies for shifting from this place of shrinking fear perfection into being messy, being real, being open, big and powerful? How can we do yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I think I have two that I enjoy. Okay. Um, one is I when I first started talking about this with high achieving women, I would talk about lowering standards. It's like, can we lower our standards for ourselves? And that was like oil and water. No one wants to hear about that. And I think about myself, like, I don't ever want to lower lower my standards. Because again, it comes back to this whole identity of having high standards. It's something that's been really helpful in my own journey and with the women that I've worked with is making it easy to win. Mm. (laughs) It's like a different frame of lowering standards, like flipping that negative how can I make this easy for me to win in this moment? We're talking about pushes out the edge, pushing out the edges of our comfort level and be, be brave doing that. How could I make something that perhaps hits on all of my perfectionism nervy buttons? How can I let myself win small in this area? Um, and one of the biggest, biggest, most recent experiences of this in my life was writing my book. And it was committing to writing 250 words a day, every day, until the book existed. So 250 words is two paragraphs, probably maybe not even. It's a very different uh, barrier to entry than 
writing a book or writing, I'm going to write chapter one today. So that's just like one example of how I allowed myself to grow into being able to be a published author by, sure, kind of lowering my standards, but in reality, just making it a bit more easy for myself to win day to day. We're human beings, we're collectors of evidence. Mm. I can collect a little bit of evidence every day that I am who I dream I I could be. We're creating that reality bit by bit. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely, absolutely love that. And I love that way of phrasing it because it feels more powerful in that way. Like, how can I win today? Um, one way that I sort of give a, a similar way of looking at things is in the idea being that, of course, it's daunting to take on the process of writing a book. It's a whole big thing. So with any goal that you're going after, uh, breaking that goal down into three smaller goals, milestones, tasks, and then each one of those breaking down into three smaller ones. So you go from one goal to nine or one big thing you want to achieve to nine smaller things. And exactly like you said, I love that you said that we are, what'd you say? We are collectors of. Collectors of evidence. Collectors of reality. Yeah. Yeah, We want to collect evidence that says that we are successful. And by breaking it down, we can show that, oh, right. I don't have to write this perfect book right now. I don't even need, eventually I don't need to publish any perfect book. It'll be perfect for me. But I just need to take these little steps, these little, you know, brave little steps. I love the bravery piece. Um, yeah. So that's yeah. Cool. Yeah. And I love that framework for business, but this is exact same, like the permission to try this stuff is exactly what allowed me to learn at 29 how to stop dieting, how to actually feed my body, how to push out the comfort level of myself with my physical being by just allowing myself to eat over time without judgment and with a lot and lot of permission and acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that kind of ties nicely to one of the other things I talk about in the book, which is the idea of a game of degrees. So I found this story on the internet many years ago and I loved it, but it was like, if you are moving or you're, you're at a point in time and there's a massive iceberg in front, like let's use the Titanic as an example, you can sail towards that and you're going to hit it. But if you change by one degree, you're still going to smash into it in 10 yards. But if you shift it one degree and keep walking in that direction for long enough, you'll miss the iceberg by a million miles. Mm. And I like that framework as an idea of we can change like one tiny thing and that becomes a path to a new reality to a new life that is one million miles away from where we could have been if we hadn't taken that one tiny step and then just committed to keep walking one step in front of the other little bit by little bit we get there but we have to start and it's a game of one degree we think like we think that perhaps where we are is broken and we have to do like a 180, 590, whatever you want to call it, turn. We're not that far away from what we desire. It's like a, it's a game of degrees. I mean, what we desire is already within us. It's just a matter of right. it. 
And sometimes you have to change your direction to be able to see it. And you don't have to know what comes after that first step. All you have to do is take it and just trust that the rest is going to be, is going to come to you with each step that you take or, you know, each degree that you turn. Um, I really like that. I just like how these shifts are just showing how simple it can be, how we can just start so small, because I think I'm sure you designed that um, intentionally to be as perfectionist. We feel like we have to do it all at once. We have to figure it all out. We have to know exactly what we're doing. We have to do it perfectly. And it's like, with just one step at a time, all of a sudden it doesn't have to be all at once. And we, and at the same time, we're retraining our brain to see, I don't have to know everything. I don't have to be perfect at this. Like for me, I don't like doing something if I'm not good at it. Mm -hmm. So I have to actively force myself to stay in it or whatever the case may be. Um, even though I'm like, I'm not perfect at this and it's going to be, I'm going to be embarrassed because people are going to see that I'm not good at this. And, um, and so it's, yes, those little steps that get us further or closer, I guess, to what's already within us, but at the same time, teaching us that we don't have to be perfect every step of the way. Yeah. I love you brought that up as well, because I think that there is, there's like a mind element to this, but there is such like a lived experience embodied thing that goes into all of this like your description of oh I I don't I don't I don't want to do this if I'm not good at it that's like a that's like a childhood response Mm -hmm. that these like that pattern of like I don't want I don't want like that's perfection like that's that's this the standard of perfectionism which was probably is was bled into us so young Mm -hmm. so it's like it, it was me who as a child like literally could not lose a card game without like losing it like so it was so embarrassing because I was I was perfect so like if I lost or wasn't good at something it was and it was a referendum of my worth my identity was being destroyed in that moment and so just having a lot of compassion for the grown woman that you are now often like the physiological embodied responses that you're having to the fear of trying new things is you really needing to meet yourself gently and kindly and knowing that this is not you not being smart enough. This is you really scared, age-old responses, scared of failure and learning how to carry yourself through that kindly and gently. We will like our perfectionist like high achieving robotic perhaps tendencies that some of us have grown into they sit so at odds with a lot of the kindness that we're actually needing from ourselves and only we can really give that to ourselves like mm-hmm. others can give us yeah right. give us permission but we only are truly comforted by our own recognition and our own love and we have to learn how to do that. Like it, this is a human game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of us don't feel we deserve that compassion if we're not perfect at it. I know for certain mm-hmm. that's been a um, huge challenge for me. I don't deserve to be loved if I'm not doing it, if I'm not doing everything in this relationship. Like that's been a big thing with my husband and I. I'm like, do you feel like you're doing, cause he does a lot. He's like the CFO of my life and of my business. Um, and, you know, he cooks dinner every night because but I'll say like, do you feel like you're doing too much? He's like, no, I want to do it. You're doing plenty. 
but I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh, if I'm not doing everything, if I'm not taking care of everything then I don't deserve to be loved, it's been a huge challenge for me to overcome. Um, so it's interesting to think about the ways that if you're noticing this in your professional life or in your personal life, take a look at those other areas of your life and see how it's showing up and how you can take some of these steps to start shifting that slowly, but surely pushing out, like you're saying, pushing out those, the walls of your comfort zone, just a teeny tiny bit. Um, and know that you don't have to do it perfectly and you don't have to do it all at once. You know, the little steps are still a forward movement. Yeah. I love what you said there about look at it one place, see where it pops up in another, because I think a lot of the times the way that we look our lives is we look at what we can see in our lives, all the, all the examples and manifestations, but what we're really working with our core beliefs and identities here. And so like any tiny shift, one degree in how we relate to perfectionism um, or our own competence and what that even means any kindness that we can bring to that makes us bubbles up to the surface as more human mm-hmm. and aligned. And ultimately we don't just fix one part. It's not fixing one part of our life. Right. It's like the more we're able to be resting comfortably in ourselves, things on the surface start thriving like a garden, mm-hmm. but it's, it's like tending to the roots of it, uh, which can be also like, slow work (laughs) like that's another thing I really want to to normalize it's not like oh okay I'm not perfectionist I'm just going to be a wee bit brave and you know it's all good takes a takes time Mm -hmm. we're talking about identity here (laughs) like years of lived experience evidence collected to the contrary that we aren't safe to Mm -hmm. be imperfect and loved still this takes time I just want to normalize that because I I love that I hate toxic, quick fix, just do this, three steps towards, like all of it's helpful. And also like we're, we're working with our beings here. It sometimes moves my, like molasses and it kind of has to. Yeah. Things to, to land and grow. Yeah. And I mean, I, I often say, I think this will be a lifelong journey for me. Yeah. And that's okay. Because also each new level, you reach a new story, a new element of your identity, a new piece or a new transfigured version of what once was this is now this. And so you're um, Carissa Kuchis, she's uh, Tony Robbins, number one female speaker. She says new level, new devil. Every time you reach a new level and you move through that, there's going to be something else there. And like, that's okay. The work of being on this planet is just becoming we were put here to be. And we have a lot of layers. It took 30 years for me to get here. It's not going to take three months to get out of it. It's probably going to take 30 plus years, you know, whatever. Um, but yes, and be being okay with that. And again, not, it doesn't need to happen perfectly and quickly. It it's going to be messy. It's going to be hard. Some of it might be fun. I don't know. Um, but I'm glad you said that. I think it can be so fun. Like that's why I always talk about it's a creative process. We are creating our lives here. It's not that it's perhaps without pain because all, all growth goes goes through that. We have to kind of shed the layers and, and grow or learn to rest a little bit more in ourselves. But I think it can be really, really fun. How could it not be more fun to become more of yourself? Mm. Like our souls feel that. You know, when it actually when we actually start acting from a place of being who we are rather than 
what we taught were taught was going to get us what we needed or what others think about or told us we were like it starts to filter it starts to filter through in unexpected ways and unconnected ways almost um, but that's like the filling in of yourself can be like Very colorful fun. and fun I think the filling in of yourself I love that um this has been really incredible. I love everything you said. There's so many nuggets. I can't wait to pull out and put into graphics for everyone to be able to see <laughs> on Instagram so we can make sure they're front and center. Um, but before I ask you my last two questions, um, if there was one thing you want listeners to walk away, away from this with today, what would that number one most important thing be? I'm going to go back to one of the first things I said about switching perfect for brave. Hmm. just try it on like try it on like and your new favorite t-shirt it's like I often say this to my clients like what do you want to feel today can you allow yourself to feel it a little bit put it on like it's a t-shirt and just wear it for the day and see see how your life changes or if it's nicer or harder or easier or unexpected um so I would be advocating for the brave t-shirt I like it I love that um, and shifting gears, what are you getting intentional about right now? So, um, extracting myself from the time matrix of being busy with things that aren't actually in alignment with my biggest gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have, it's funny as a perfectionist, I still have a lot of stories about, being a wee bit messy um, and almost having to have my creativity be a stressful thing. Um, so I've been creating some really nice systems for me to flow the creativity through and also to make better use of my time so that I'm actually using it for the things that I love and can be most impactful in. So that's that's what I'm getting intentional about at the moment. And it's been fun to see it. Awesome. I'm sure so many women who run their own business can resonate with that. I know I can. Um, And tell us where everyone can find you. How can they connect with you? Sure. Um, So you can find me at ionaholloway.com. If you want to go to ionaholloway.com forward slash gifts, you can get a free copy of the first chapter of Ghost. There's also a free reader guide there. Um, And then you can also pick up a copy of Ghost by Perfect Women Shrink on Amazon. Um, and there's like, I think 55 reviews on there right now. So if I haven't, if you haven't got a clear sense of what I talk about in the book through this, um, pop on there and see what folks are saying. Awesome. I'm definitely getting a copy. Um, I decided that like after you said two sentences. So <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And the D, sorry, the, and I just interrupted you. I apologize. Um, Day-to-day stuff, I'm often on Instagram, Iona Holloway. Cool. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you so, so much for sharing all this with us and being here today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah. And thank you everyone for being here with us today. I will catch you on another episode of Mindset Reset Radio.